Welcome to the Inside Scoop Live podcast, where indie authors get personal about their books, their writing, and their passions. I'm your host, Sherry Hoyt. Join me for some lively conversations with debut indie authors and seasoned veterans alike. It's a great place to find your next amazing read or even get inspired. So sit back and enjoy the show and let me know what you think. Hi, everyone. Today I'm talking with Daniel McMillan, author of Badger and Turtle Face the Storm. The story follows a pair of friends who learn to work together under stress. Before we get started, here's the inside scoop on the author. Dan McMillan is a therapist and psychologist in Alberta, Canada, and the father of two young children. This story was originally created to help highlight a common hurtful pattern in couples' relationships. One day, he told the story to his daughters and found they really enjoyed it as well. So a kid-friendly version was born in hopes of both entertaining children and sharing important information for parents to be aware of. You can learn more about Dan McMillan and his work at danmcmillanbooks.com and assuredpsychology.com. Well, hi, Daniel. Welcome to Inside Scoop Live. Hi, thank you for having me, Sherry. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm excited to learn more about your book. So I guess to get started, why don't you tell us a little bit about what the Badger and Turtle Face the Storm is about, and then maybe what kind of uh, sparked the idea for you to write this story? Sure. The Badger and Turtle Face the Storm is about two friends that under stress kind of fall into two natural ways of being that end up hurting each other, and then they have to move back towards connection. They have to reconnect. Um, And... The reason I wrote this was it actually came, I'm a therapist, I'm a psychologist here in Alberta, Canada, and it came from my office. I have worked with hundreds of couples and I have noticed a particular pattern that shows up in their relationship. Mm. And I used to tell them this pattern clinically as a pursue withdrawal or demand criticism, um, withdrawal pattern, and they never remembered it. And one day I invented this story about a badger and a turtle. Yeah, and it stuck, and it sort of fit for all of them, and they started using it, the language, and it started to help them. So I wanted to write a book um, with the same story or a similar version to uh, hopefully help parents, because parents of little kids are at high risk of marital breakdown and of relationship lack of satisfaction, relationship and lack of well-being. Mm-hmm. So I want, and that can impact children's well-being. So I wanted to write a story that they would read to their kids that would help them. And so that's how it came about. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, when I was reading it, I got the vibe that children will love it, but it might be more geared towards adults. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was definitely, it was the message that mattered to me. Truthfully, it's my first time ever writing a book because I don't know if, how talented of a writer I am, but I am a talented therapist um, and the metaphor matters. So I was hoping to make a difference through sharing that. Yeah. Yeah. So how did you come up with the badger and the turtle? Um, Why did you choose those particular animals to explore the human emotions? Sure. Uh, (laughs) I grew up in the country, in in the rural Alberta country, in the farm. And I would always see these badger holes and never actually (laughs) see. And the dirt was skewed behind them. I never actually got to see them dig. But I always wish I had. I always wanted to when I was a kid. And so... Somebody may take offense to the use of badger. It was the best animal I could find. A turtle retreats and withdraws 
which is one partner avoiding or shutting down. And um, another partner comes forward, but in a way that's a little bit rough, usually uh, criticism or anger or demand. And so to me, that fit as a badger, because I just always pictured a badger digging these holes pretty ferociously. Yeah. Um, and so that's how it, uh, the animals were chosen. <laughs> and it kind of <laughs> stuck from there. And I would have couples come in and he would say, you know, oh, I totally turtled this weekend. And, and Or she would say, I was badgering him. And I realized that. And so we could have a real conversation. And it just it, it allowed people to sort of take ownership for how they showed up without them feeling blamed or demonized. So And so I ran with it. Yeah, yeah, it works. It's interesting to see what resonates with people or, you know, what creates a meaningful connection for them. And it seems like the badger and the turtle just really kind of clicked. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah. So why did you choose the storm that as the, it's kind of the central challenge in the book to, to represent the challenge anyway? I chose the storm as to represent life stress. Mm. And then rather than a particular incident, I wanted something that everyone experienced because everyone experiences stress, uh, obviously, in life, but also in their relationships. So I wanted something that was really generic that all people kind of encounter. Mm -hmm. Um, And you can't really avoid all the storms in life. So the storms of a person's relationship can look like many things, can look like the birth of a child or ill parent or financial struggle or many, many things. But I wanted to keep it broad so that people could kind of apply their own understanding of what was stressful for them. Mm -hmm. Also, I grew up, I live in the foothills of the mountains. And so we get these storms that come in and we can have hail, you know, the size of golf balls or even baseballs once or twice a year. And so the storms are no joke. You know, if you get caught in the mountain, if you're hiking a storm, you're in real trouble. So to me, it also represented an actual threat rather than just an inconvenience. Yeah, yeah. And I love how you incorporated your Canadian landscape into the story too. So just kind of personalized it. Yeah, because that's how I picture it. I picture these two animals holding hands, walking, and it's a beautiful day and everything's going really well. You know, we all know that feeling in relationship. And then all of a sudden, this storm starts rolling in and your experience changes. It gets scary or dark. And you're all of a sudden this beautiful day with, you know, bees and flowers and rabbits and the sun changes. And now life is hard all of a sudden and you need your partner there. And you go, go to look where he is and he's in his shell or, or the person in the shell looks over and the badger's trying to dig and scrape you out of your shell. Um, uh, so it just felt to me like a, a situation, much like our relationships that we all face and that is all, just a natural challenge for all people. Yeah. I think it's perfectly represented, especially I felt like the moment that they stopped holding hands, that's when the trouble really started, you know, and they saw the storm coming. That's when they each went into their almost like fight or flight roles. Yeah. Yeah, it is actually. It is our flight and flight system. You know, we either move towards or away from something that we're afraid of. And all people have both within or freeze. Mm-hmm. Uh and so these are sort of the personification. Is that the right word for an animal, though? Um, anyway, these are this personification, <laughs> these parts that we all have inside of us. Part of us wants to close the gap when we feel under threat with another person. And we're not always very good at doing that in a way that works. And mm-hmm. part of us wants to move away from threat and just avoid it and let the storm blow over, which creates distance. So I, I like you that you said that because... All people have both 
parts. Mm-hmm. People tend to have a primary attachment strategy, so they tend to have a primary way. But depending on the relationship, um, they can switch. So I'm primarily a turtle. I've worked hard to be less so, but I remember once in a conflict with my partner who was very much a badger, she also became a turtle out of the blue, and I started becoming a badger without even knowing it. I started saying <laughs> being critical and just letting things, uh, saying things that would normally. And I, I thought, who is this guy? Like, uh, <laughs> That's funny, yeah. though. You saw that she was in turtle mode. So you kind of like changed into, I don't know, to help her, I guess, you know, just. or Yeah, just... We, because every relationship needs these two fundamental ingredients, safety and connection. Yeah. And so the badger represents an attempt to reconnect. Um, and the turtle represents a t- attempt for safety. And we need fundamentally both. Ideally, we can get them without going through these parts, but when we can't, we can't have two badgers because there won't be enough safety. There'll just be this fight for connection, mm. and we can't have two turtles because there's no connection. So these two tend to find each other, and even when they don't, two turtles, there'll be one bat more badger-like turtle, and two badgers will be more turtle-like badger. Every ingredient under distress tends to, in every fight, fall into these two parts, creating this pattern. Yeah, I was going to ask you about the, what if you have two turtles or two padgers? So. <laughs> yeah, two turtles are a bit like ships in the night. They probably won't have blowout fights, but they'll probably have like one person that gets anxious or over plans, over talks, or some still avoidant way, but trying to come forward into the space. It's a forward, so it's a little badger-like. And if you have two badgers, those are really intense conflicts usually yeah. and don't tend to last the relationships. The turtle relationships can last, but often it um, the connection dies over time. Yeah, I would say I'm a turtle up to a certain point, And then it's like, then the badger comes out because I've had enough maybe or I don't know. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. People have a primary pattern and a secondary pattern. It's called yeah. um, so you're exactly right. Yeah, I'm actually a badger to the point and then a turtle. Um, so yeah, often there's a flip flop <laughs> effect, which is I mean, this conversation is exactly why I wrote the book is I want people to think about their patterns, their attachment strategies is the language because we don't learn this growing up. I didn't learn this. And I think most people's theories about relationships are that it, you just pick the right person and if you're nice and they're nice, it'll work out. But relationships are hard and there's conflict and you have to be able to find each other in the stress or the storm. And that was why I wrote the book because I wanted people to learn what seemed to be helping all these couples I was seeing but also had helped me in my life and to learn in a fun way that they could, you know, teach their kids at the same time and, and hear it in then non-defensively. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, that's why it mattered to me enough to write the book on it. Yeah. You know, kids pick up everything. So they're going to see, you know, mom and dad's actions or, you know, whatever the family dynamic looks like, you know, um, and, and that's what they'll know because that's what they learn. So, it, mm-hmm. yeah, like I, I think I said in the beginning, it's kind of like both for kids and adults. But it's also mm-hmm. good for different areas in our life, like all of our relationships. Is that would that be right? Like your work relationships and your. Yeah, I think to some degree, yeah, it's mm-hmm. primarily focused in my mind on attachment relationships. So mm-hmm. particularly to with your attachment relationships. So your parent, child, maybe sibling. Um, child to parent and then spouse those are your attachment relationships it's like a dance and you can see it in most places once you start looking for it you know if you have an extra harsh critical boss maybe you're more quiet and avoidant but you know you're not like that in your past workplace but yeah in my mind it is particularly true because it 
touches our defensive parts, which is what an attachment relationship does because our attachment bond is a survival bond. We're a packed animal and when we're not connected, it, it cues our nervous system that we're under threat. Hence why we act in all the crazy ways we do in relationships under conflict. Yeah. Um, and so that's what really drives us into these fight or flight like parts. Yeah. And I think the illustrations go perfectly with the story and what you were just talking about. Uh, did you work with an illustrator or did your publisher uh, handle that aspect? Of that? I worked with an illustrator, yeah, through through the publisher, but I worked with them to, to sort of get these right. And they did a beautiful job. I agree. I think it like... Their illustrations are better than my writing. <laughs> oh, no. So I, I'm thankful for them for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, with a children's book, both are important because the the pictures kind of tell the story outside of the words. You know, like I could see the, the badger digging and, you know, as a, as a reader, I just wanted to yell out, you know, turtle scared, you know, you know, or, yeah. or vice versa, you know. Um, he's, yeah. he's not clawing at you. He's trying to help you, you know. So I thought that the the words and the pictures went very well together, actually. So yeah. yeah. And I mean, just you saying that, like, how powerful would those almost exact words be in the next conflict? Like, instead of, you know, digging to say, I'm just really scared, I'm really alone, or the turtle instead of drawing to say, you know, like, I feel nervous or scared that I'm not enough for you. Like, it. it it's just so funny to me how that literally translates, but we don't use those words. We use all these other strategies in our lives. Yeah. Include myself. Well, yeah. we're all human, right? <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> oh. So uh, you talked a little bit about your writing. How challenging was it to make sure the book was engaging for kids without sounding kind of like a lecture? It was challenging. Uh, I'm not a writer. I don't or this is my first attempt anyway, it was challenging to make it kid-friendly but still get the point across. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when I think of books like um, There's No Such Thing as Dragons or The Places You Go or um, I Love You Forever, mm -hmm. to me, those, these are really, really powerful books. I have little kids and I read these books and the message, you know, as I'm sure you know, you end up reading the books your kids like dozens and dozens of times. <laughs> Well, the message really sinks in. And some of those books I feel were written for adults um, that are kid-friendly. And that was sort of what I was hoping for is sort of to find that divide or find that line. Yeah. But man, it was really hard to do that. I, I know how to tell this story in my office. I even have a YouTube video telling the story that did well. But how to tell this in a way for children and then how to give it an ending. Because when I'm telling couples it, it's just to outline their patterns, it's not to give it a happy ending. Right. Um, uh, that was a challenge for me. Yes, it took a lot of revisions. Yeah. <laughs> well, I thought it was really engaging and uh, a great uh, learning story as well. But, you know, for kids, when is the right time to start having those conversations about, you know, emotional regulation and interpersonal skills? I mean, when we can understand something, we have more control over influencing it. So it's important that we help give kids the language of emotions, mm. particularly core emotions. So help them identify sadness, shame, anger, fear, joy, surprise, you know, without 
um, negative repercussion for doing so. So helping give them that language, just like helping them give language over their body parts is a protective factor. Helping give them language over their emotional parts is a protective factor as well. Mm-hmm. So I think as early as is when you're talking to them, even when they're young, you know, like, oh, I see you're sad, um, rather than, oh, like, who's got a boo-boo or it's fine. Like, um, it starts early mm-hmm. and helping them then the interpersonal stuff. I mean, that's an ongoing challenge as, as they interact with human beings. So luckily we get lots of practice for that. Yeah. My, my six and eight-year-old daughters come home with lots of school, you know, playground hurt feelings that oh. we get to every day (laughs) i'll bet yeah i hear my son and and, uh, daughter-in-law talking to my granddaughter who's three and uh they talk to her often in like just plain conversational tones like like you said not oh it's a boo-boo you'll be okay but more interactive conversational you know almost adult-like sometimes i think Uh, but i guess it just depends on the the child's age and level of understanding I'm going to try not go to a rabbit hole here, but this is where I think we pa- we pass down to our children many, many things, only a portion of which are overt. So we pass down a lot of unconscious things. Any emotion that we're not comfortable with, or actually we're not fully comfortable with any of them, but any of the emotions we're particularly not comfortable with, our children sense that and develop strategies around it. If mm. my girls can't show me anger appropriately, but can't show me anger, they now have to do figure out what to do with their anger and how to learn to be with anger by themselves mm. if they can't show sadness they got to learn to deal with that by themselves and then you know 40 years later three years later they come to the therapist's office surprised when something made them really sad and they didn't know what to do with it so they drank it away or got depressed or oh, yeah. turned into anger yeah. so i think it's like humbling for me to think that every human being can't be fully comfortable with any of the the spectrum of the hardcore emotions. And in some way, my kids are going to sense that line, you know, and the challenge for me is to learn how to sit with them, to be with them, to coach them in those emotions as best I can up into past that line as best I can, whatever work it takes me to get past that. Mm -hmm. I need to help them so that because children can only co-regulate. They can't cope with hard, the hardships of life by themselves. They're not born able to do that. They have right. to learn that. They learn that for us. So a, a question to your listeners is, yeah, like which emotions are hard for you? What did you learn about those emotions? Not what was told to you, but what did you learn through experience when you showed up with those feelings? Mm. And then how do you defend them instead? You know, if being sad growing up, instead I kept that all to myself. Now when I'm sad, it's very hard to be vulnerable and tell someone that. Yeah. It, it seems like the upcoming generations are more in tune with that, or at least they seem to be. I, I mean, I know the difference is being that in my generation, we were told something and that's just how it was. So, Yeah. I mean, we I learned English not because someone chose to teach me English. It was spoke in the home. You know, the temperature, the emotional temperature, the emotional language spoke in the home. I also sucked in and, and, and learned that as well. Mm-hmm. Um I hope the next generation, the younger generation, seem to be more open, talking about mental health and mm-hmm. talking about their feelings. So I hope there's more openness to that. But all human beings, you know, have to protect their feelings in some way because we've all been hurt. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if, I hope there's more vulnerability and it's not just a different form of protection. I guess we'll see. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Now, when was your book published? Uh, it first came out two weeks ago. <laughs> Not oh. long ago. Oh, wow. Okay. So it's brand new. Okay. So yeah. have you gotten any feedback on it yet? Uh, we got a couple reviews, I think, mm-hmm. um, through the, I mean, the publisher kind of reaches out to people and does that. So uh, we got a little bit of feedback that way. And then friends and family, obviously, which, um, but that's it. It's brand new. And in fact, because there was some issues with the font on one page, it, it sort of had to get revised. Um, so it's doing that now. It should be done by the end of the week, just the font on the production. But yeah, no, it's this is all very brand new. Oh, okay. Wow. I was going to uh, ask you if you had received any kind of feedback across different age groups, you know, but that, that will come, I guess, with time. Um, yeah. I had one nine-year-old that liked it. <laughs> that was part of it. And um, my daughters like it, but they, their favorite part is the dedication is to them. So I think they're biased. Yeah. I saw that dedication. Now the dedication is to the your turkey and bear. And that's why mm-hmm. I asked about the badger and the turtle. I thought, hmm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, since I've been born, I've been calling my oldest Lily turkey. I don't know why it just happened. And my youngest, Anna Bear, Anna Bear. And to the point that now when I call them their real names, they'll get upset that I didn't call them turkey or bear. Like I, like I kind of only use their real names when they're in trouble, I guess. So, oh, that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> turkey and bear like the book. That's my endorsement. Oh, that, that works for me. So yeah. do you see this book being used by educators and, and therapists, uh, as a teaching resource, maybe? That would be a dream for me, yeah. You know, I I'm, have my job and I run my clinic and I, I don't anticipate this book becoming what supports me. But if this book could make a difference, if it could teach people and change or help families at a hard time is my dream. So if that was through therapists and teachers or, or just a person picking up reading it, you know, when someone has a birth of a child or, or someone's birthday, like giving this to the parents, well, you give it to the child, but you yeah. secretly give the parents, you know, uh, that's my dream would be that people hear this metaphor. And then the last page, it summarizes what the actual metaphor actually means so to be extra clear. They th- And it kind of turns on a light bulb moment for them and they can see their relationship a little bit differently and then be able to influence the negative patterns a little bit more. I mean, that to me would be a success. That would be awesome. Yeah. I really enjoyed the story and uh, the storm was intense for me. So. (laughs) Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It just, it felt. Scary. Yeah, intense was the right word because maybe I just went into my turtle mode, you know, and I was mm. relating with the turtle and, mm-hmm. and but also seeing the badger. Uh, so it was kind of like a, a, I was looking at it. I don't know, out of body kind of thing. <laughs> okay, interesting. interesting. Yeah, yeah. That's um, great to hear. Not that you're out of body, but just that it had right. an experience for you. That's what I'm hoping for people, not just that they can experience and identify with some part of it. That's truly, I think that's the power of the metaphor because the couples in my office for years have been telling this metaphor and really it made a difference. And then it seemed like it was liked on YouTube. It made a difference there to some degree, not like a million hits or something, but like, Mm -hmm. and so it was really just trying to share this way of understanding something that's been known for 34 years in research, but just in this way that was more approachable so people could grab onto it. That's, so that's great to hear. Yeah. 
do you have plans for a sequel or a series that explores other emotional aspects of relationships? Or? I maybe I I'm sure you and your like have met, had many people on here that I feel like I have a a book book inside me from my clinical work, mm-hmm. but I don't when and if I write that I'm I'm not sure. But I end up telling a lot of metaphors in my. I think it's just how I think about things. I end up telling a lot of metaphors. So I have other metaphors um, that I think would be helpful in helping teach people to learn key elements of themselves in a non-scary way. So I I may go that route too. I'm not sure. I think there's something in the future. Just I haven't figured that out. There's something brewing. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Oh. So if readers could take away one lesson from your book, what would you hope that is? That is a great question. I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is that while it makes sense that you protect yourself in the way you do, whether that's being a turtle or a badger or both, so it makes sense that it, like at some point in your life that was likely crucial to be that way. So it makes sense that you're still that way. Just to try to be vulnerable and step outside of those positions when you can. It doesn't guarantee it'll go perfectly, but it's your best chance of success, your best chance of making a change in your pattern. So just to try to be vulnerable in the way you can, if you can. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. scary, yeah. Yes, it wouldn't be called vulnerability if it wasn't. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's terrifying. It's terrifying. It's hard. When I'm fighting my partner, I want a turtle so bad. And sometimes all I can do is to own that and say, I really want to shut down right now. But by me saying that, it's actually doing the opposite. And at first I'd scare the crap out of her, but now <laughs> she can hear that and say, thank you. Like that actually makes me feel a little more reassured that you're not going to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and then she understands where you're coming from, so she won't misinterpret your actions. Exactly. Exactly. We apply, without that, we apply our own assumption. So she assumes it's whatever, whatever, and it, that assumption's your injury inside that just you just project on the world. So when she's like that, I assume it's because she does, doesn't care because I don't matter. And I've had that fear since I've been little. When, when I do it, she assumes that I'm abandoning her, you know, because she's going to be left. And she's had that fear for a long time. Mm-hmm. So you're exactly right. If we don't contextualize why we're doing what we're doing, our partner's going to completely understand it through their own lens, which won't be as favorable as what we're, like, what, what we're actually doing, our intention. Right. Which we, we yeah. saw clearly with the badger and the turtle. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I really, when I tell this story and I'd say, like, the storm comes in, the turtle, he drops the ground, does what the turtle does. He digs himself a little hole and goes to the shell. And the badger reaches out because there's a storm. So she reaches for a partner. And where's that little bugger? He's in his shell on the ground. He looks cozy <laughs> and comfy. And all the badgers in my office would just nod their head. Like, yeah, yeah. He's just down there in his man cave watching TV. He doesn't care. Like, And all the turtles. And then I'd say, but he's actually just really scared and trying to let the storm blow over. He doesn't know what else to do, and he doesn't want to make it worse. And then all the turtles in my office would have these big head nods. Um, like, yeah, I'm not a bad guy. I just don't know what to do, and I thought that was the right thing to do to not make it worse. Yeah. Yeah. So For me as a turtle, it was a big realization to realize that turtling hurt people. I thought just badgers hurt people. But when I figured that out, I became respons- accountable to my turtling. Yeah. 
Yeah, you don't think turtles hurt because they're not aggressive. So. Exactly. Yeah. There's no yeah. tooth and claw, but there's distance. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. So. Now, for the adults reading the books to their children and kind of a light bulb goes off, uh, are there additional resources available for those who want to explore any of the topics the book covers? Yeah, really great question. <laughs> what to do if it actually works. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so basically, I would say start with talk to your partner or if it doesn't have to be a partner, if it's your parent or your adult child or your sibling or whoever your attachment person is, but start with trying to own that you recognize your defense, you recognize that you're badgering them, turtling them, and try to talk below why you're doing that what's really going on for you so if you can do that vulnerably or if you can even start that conversation kind of work through it that's great that's probably the start and that may be all you need Mm. you know if not if you get stuck you know maybe you've been doing this 30 years with a person so you have a lot of stuff or maybe you grew up in a home where these um, lessons were really rigid so it was really hard to move away from if you get stuck then you might need the help of a therapist you know, or other some forms of support, whether it's your religious leader or a retreat or a book. And so I always encourage people, if you're looking for a couples therapist, just make sure you do your research. You know, I'm an emotionally focused therapist. That's just the modality I use. But just make sure that you, whoever you're talking to, you feel comfortable with and that they, you don't feel like you're demonized as, for being a badger or for being a turtle, but rather you're understood it, as the interaction of these two things. Right, right. Well, mm-hmm. is there anything else you wanted to add today? I don't think about? so. This is really one of the first time I've talked about the book, so I appreciate the opportunity. Hopefully it comes across in a way that people can hear and not in like lecturous because I think I'm in their storm with everyone else. And I just really appreciate exploring this new world with you and with your listeners. Well, thank you so much, Daniel, for joining us today and being on the show. It was really a pleasure learning more about you and your work. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for joining me today for my interview with Dan McMillan, author of Badger and Turtle Face the Storm. You can learn more about Dan McMillan and his work at Dan McMillan Books and AssuredPsychology.com. And be sure to check out our other interviews at InsideScoopLive.com. 